It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey there, folks. It's uh, KP Burke. Welcome back to American Loser. South Beach Larry is indeed in South Beach. <sighs> so I got nothing to, yeah, we can't do nothing about that. Behind the ones and twos, though, the good old Big Kahuna's in the building. How you doing, buddy? Very good, my friend. Uh, I miss our dad. He's uh, he's a piece of work, isn't he? <laughs> he's hanging out at uh, spring training games right now, actually. He's going to get as dark as me right now. That's a <laughs> He's going to get roasted in the like, best way. Like I've said, too, uh, the old uh, German-Irish fellow that he is, he can't tan. My Armenian mother, though, she could pass <laughs> if she needed to. <laughs> but they're but, both invited to the barbecue, so it's okay. Now we're talking, man. Actually, you're invited to Burkefest this year, too. You I that. know. I'm hype as hell about it. invited every year. You just never show up. Well, that's different because there's been a pandemic in the last two years. So it hasn't really happened. Ah, uh, COVID with everything, this guy. Jesus. Just go fuck yourself, KP. <laughs> uh, but I'm not, we're not alone today. No, we are not, my friend. We have two returning guests, uh, two of my favorites, uh, two gems of the Jersey Shore. And real quick, we do want to say where we're at. We're at the Bellworks at a Shared Universe podcast studio in uh, Homedale, New Jersey, where Mike and Ming are taking great care of us. And of course, like I said, two of my favorites here, uh, the immortal Jack Steiger. Mm. Welcome to the show, buddy. I like the sound of that. Goddamn right. And then also one of my favorites, uh, Angelo Gingerelli. Back on the show, buddy. Super excited. What's going on, guys? Nothing much, man. This was a good one. I had to change the schedule on you guys a little bit, so I do truly appreciate you guys making it happen here today. Hey, but man. I do that enough times. KP's, in, KP's used to it. That's so <laughs> it's not a huge, huge thing. Well, dude, <laughs> I, I could not, if I want, but there's some shows that we do. Uh, where we're able to change the topic and it's not a huge deal. This particular one, absolutely needed. Uh, I'll tell you what, Angelo's great and he read a lot of shit on this, but Jack has these weird things that he manifests on where he's an absolute perfect guest. And uh, this is one of those topics we had to have him on for. Like you didn't know much about today's topic before uh, we mentioned it, right? Not a ton, a little bit. I guess we'll talk about when we get into it, but uh, kind of vaguely aware of the, the topic. And then last week or so, kind of dug in a little deeper. I don't know how, but this is both my favorite and least favorite part of the show where it's like just, we, we, we this is the topic, but Christian don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> and I know I said my real government name. Kahuna, I'll, I'll censor it. <laughs> well, uh, Jack gave me a call uh, maybe two, three weeks ago to say it was the perfect time to do this particular topic, which we'd been wanting to do for about a year or so. Yeah. And, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll say it. It's uh, The correct pronunciation is Ayn Rand, right? I. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 her pen name. It's her fake name, so you can just pronounce it any way you want. Hang on, she's got a fake name? Uh-huh. Ayn Rand, so A-Y-N-R-A-N-D. Um, and I think it's very weird, too, because she's got so many things that are uh, still current about her. But uh, why did you want to do this episode? Uh, we should have done it two weeks ago, but we couldn't. We just couldn't make it happen. Uh, 
two weeks ago you wanted to do this particular topic. I was curious why. It was I was uh, I just kept seeing her or encountering people mentioning her. It, so I kind of felt like she was like she was having a moment in the cultural zeitgeist. Hey. And so I felt that you'd be picking up on that, you know, you'd be using that momentum because it was there. And I think arguably it still is. Um, but uh, I wanted to do it. I think it was what's, – what's the date today? Like um, well, about a month ago I wanted to do it because we were actually potentially going to do it on the day she died or the day after she died. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, which I thought would have been quite interesting because I've had a lot of weird coincidences in researching for, for this part. I knew a bit of Ayn Rand going into this, but um, I, I kind of went deep into the research um, on her and I just – I noticed some really- – Which is what happens on this show, by the way. Angela and Jack, they do research, okay? Angela read a fucking book. To be ready to be on this podcast. Oh, really? Oh, I'll be honest, man. I read The Fountainhead about <clears throat> ten years ago. And oh, for real? Yeah, yeah, yo, dead serious. Because nice. I was, I just was interested in the idea of objectivism. It was kind of like in the zeitgeist again, probably ten years ago. And somebody told me that was the better one to read out of that and Atlas Shrugs, the two most famous books. And my plan was to read The Fountainhead and then Atlas Shrugs because they came out fifteen years apart. But uh, I, I got I got through the first one. I'm not gonna say I enjoyed it, but I got through it, and I just didn't have it in me to do it again. Um, cool ideas, not in my opinion, not great books. Not a good time to read at all, but uh, definitely interesting ideas. Well, she gets um, she's very controversial, right? I just uh, want to jump in before we, because my 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 story with her is very similar to Angelo's. Roll with it. Yeah, it was, and it was literally ten years ago. So there was this moment. She seems. I think a lot of times with uh, with uh, people. Um, they 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 do have these moments, like and you know, not necessarily like like figures, right? Because Ayn Rand was long deceased ten by ten years ago, right? And still winds up showing up on uh, HBO shows as of like maybe two three years ago. What what? what? Uh, John Oliver did a piece where they were destroying her. Actually. Oh right. So oh yeah. She's still that. controversial to this day. She's been yeah. dead for how long? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just like ten years ago, and this is about. This is like the end of my time in Australia. Um, I had this friend. Jack my- is from Australia, uh, New Jersey. Um- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I yeah, I lived, I, I lived in, I moved to Australia when I was quite young, um, and I moved back here um, in like 2012, so exactly 10 years ago. Um, and I had this, I have this friend named Arnold Van Opstel, who you can you can actually he's actually like the LeBron James or used to be the LeBron James of the Philippines. I'm not even joking. <laughs> this is a kid I used to bully in high school. He was my friend, but I like I like made him kiss another dude by pushing his head into another kid. Like I yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, bro? This is just the kind of person I this is, Are you uh, okay? This is you know, some you know, good old strength of will stuff, you know, good old yeah. fashioned contests. Um, but you're, anyway, some, no, you're someone's like, nightmare uh, in some sense, but Ayn Rand would have approved of that kind of behavior as we'll get into. Um, at some point yeah. he was digging it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so this, he was actually, he's actually my good friend and actually he could probably kick my ass now. Cause he like went to the Philippines and all of a sudden he just, got jacked. He got, in, you can, if you Google him and look him up, like Arnold Van Opsel, you'll find him in underwear ads. I swear. Oh, and I can show you DMS I have with him. I've got DMS <laughs> with that guy that could destroy him. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm serious but I don't want so I ran right, I'm sorry <laughs> no I did okay so 
so my friend Arnold Van Opsel was a big conspiracy theorist. So and and he and I was too. And so he was like, you have to check out this one guy. Um, this is how he talked. He was kind of like Dutch. He went to like an American school, so he kind of had this weird accent. So he but he recommended this um one this like fire and brimstone preacher who was like a conspiracy theorist who uh he just sent me he just made me watch this one lecture that he gave and so i watched it reluctantly and then the guy's talking and I, I didn't find it super interesting but the guy said the elite plan to destroy and then rebuild the world is outlined in the book atlas shrugged so i found that interesting Heavy. and and i so i had always my stepfather had atlas shrugged in his bookcase and I always looked at it, it was a weird, but it was like one of those books, it was like, a, it's like 1200 pages. So I kind of, I, I like thumbed through it like at least once, but then I heard it, you know, in the context of it outlining an Illuminati plot to rule the world. So I was like, oh, I'll check, this, this might be the Illuminati Lord of the Rings. So I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, so it was isn't, not. Isn't the Illuminati Lord of the Rings the Scientology handbook? Um. Hey, 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 that was Jack Parsons, buddy, <laughs> right? But uh, so I read it and it, well, it was really boring. It was really boring. And I was, I was, uh, I kept trying, I kept, it was like pretty, it kind of sets itself up as this like mystery. And like, I was kept waiting for like this shoe to drop about like elite conspiracy to destroy and rebuild the world and uh, it just never happened and i got further and further i kept trying to put down the book but then because of the philosophy of the book it's all about like being like you know kind of the best you can be and not giving up and i kept hearing ayn rand being like, hi you were too weak to finish my book so i was like fuck you <laughs> fuck you i'll finish your fucking book and then i, I took this yeah. leads to her, her theory though too is that um again a fascinating woman uh, it, you would think when you hear a female writer, you would think that because typically they're always very well celebrated for the weird Women's History Month stuff and yeah, whatever uh, anything else that comes along with that. But uh, I didn't know like like okay, so Ein is a weird term. I don't even know if that's actually what gender I would associate that name with. But uh, uh, obviously, she has um, a couple of books out. One of them, Angela, you already said that you read. Uh, and then she has this idea of uh, objectivism, which is interesting because she's reading philosophy as a young girl, and then she actually creates her own philosophy as she goes. So uh, off the top of your head, what was objectivism, bud? Can I, can I hit one thing first? Oh, I think one of the things that kind of a less conspiracy theory version of why she was kind of popping in 2012, my – I think in the middle of the two Obama administrations, right, part of America was becoming concerned that we're moving towards kind of the welfare state. She talks about an Atlas Shrugged, right? right. So the complete opposite of Obama being reelected is being objectivist and moving towards celebrating the ultra talented, the ultra smart, the ultra almost libertarian thing, right? So I think that just kind of pushed her into the mainstream a little bit because when most of America was kind of celebrating Obama's second run coming up in 2012, a small segment was kind of pumping out on social media and Fox News and stuff like that. Well, there's this whole other way to think about the world and we would rather have it go this way than another four years of Obama. That's kind of what I think happened in 2012. Does that kind of make sense to you guys? It does. It's uh, it's a weird one too because uh, so Ayn gets associated with uh, the right wing a lot, which is weird because, I mean, she did actually write for, uh, I forget who it was, but uh, uh, 
wanky or something like that. I think uh, whoever it was that ran against FDR, I think she was a speech writer for him. But uh, yeah, she gets associated with uh, the right wing a lot and more often than she probably should. Um, well, I, I would say she she was very right wing. Like she's her one of her main. It's goofy. We didn't even say where she's from yet. Object. That's why it's goofy. Yeah. Well, she, one of her. So she's very right wing. But just well, Jack, say where she's from. Economic. Well, she's from. She was born in Russia, and uh, she's from Saint Petersburg. Nineteen oh five. I think she was born. Uh -huh. So I think nineteen eleven. Hmm? I think I think nineteen eleven is when. Um, all the shit went down with the Bolsheviks over there. I can't remember. But, but she came to America pretty young, right? Like she was only there for a couple years of that regime. Am I right when I say that or not? Was she there for a while? Oh, no. She came over pretty early, but it was um, just the idea that she was there. And also, she was um, she was part Jewish too, which is- uh, Wait, you she's know, Jewish? I think she was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I told you- <laughs> I told you Anton LaVey was going to be my last Jew. <laughs> anyway, Jack Steiger, uh, S-T-E-I-G. <laughs> but, uh, but she's come from a, a place and obviously Russia is a, uh, uh, a dynasty in decline around this time frame. And then she comes over here and she's espousing all these things that are we're associating with the right wing of politics. So it's pretty goofy. Um, she's a mess of contradictions, like oh, without a doubt, that's a lot of ways. <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I think one of the reasons why she's interesting to me. Like I'm not an objectivist, like by any, not at all. And I, I've never been one of her devotees and we, I'm sure we'll get to. If you how. could uh, define the term, I know, uh, Angela is ready for this one. So we'll cue him up for success. Uh, objectivism is going to be what. Ayn brings to uh, the philosophical table, if you will. Uh, what's that mean to you? What, what was your take on that, bud? And it's kind of the, the objective of human existence is to make yourself happy by being the best version of yourself and producing the best art, the best industry, the best economics for your family you can possibly. And it kind of really favors people that are the absolute elite. Like I think if you look at Atlas Shrugged, the plot of that is the, the, the say, 20 most successful people in the world kind of make their own little secret society, right? So in, in 2022 America, that would be Steve Jobs if you're still around. It would be, you know, Phil Knight from Nike. It would be all the, you know, the, the captains of industry that we've kind of elevated. We just look up to them in America, but I don't think we, we elevate them to like the God status. She almost does in her writing, which is kind of, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a weird thing to me. I think the, one of the contradictions is you need if, if the person that designed the iPad is maybe the most important person, but someone's got to build the iPad, right? And then someone's <laughs> got to do something with the iPad once it's made. So we need consumers and we need workers and we need everybody along the line for that iPad to even be a little useful. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. And uh, the kind of the takeaway that I got on that was, uh, and I'm very curious what you're about to say, Jack, because you, you're Jack. Um, mm, yes. But uh, I, like, I like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my takeaway on uh, objectivism was you have to do, there's a selfishness in it from what uh, she's even, like a lot of her critics will even say that. It's very selfish to follow the way that she thinks, but you also want to, um, you have to understand the fact that if you're not going to do the thing for yourself uh, that you're the best at or whatever, then that's actually robbing culture. So 
I, my understanding of objectivism is that it is a philosophy that where you, one a, a man's happiness is one's primary and sole concern in life one's happiness and that the man needs and that man needs to use reason to attain it so that's that's what my understanding of objectivism so um and that sounds like to some extent like at a very superficial level sounds like uh selfish hedonism but you know like it's Objectivism isn't exactly like I will drink whiskey and eat chocolate all the days of my life, right? So it's like you know, because if you apply reason to that, then you d you know that that doesn't lead to your long term welfare and happiness. So it's th there's reason. Like she was a very, very big fan of reason and rationality, uh, and consistently sound in that too. That's like a, it's a weird thing when you. Like, cause she lived long enough where you could actually watch her on, uh, I think, like the late night shows. She was actually on a couple. Of, you know what I'm on, talking about? She, yeah, yeah. She died. It's like seventies. She died in eighty two, but I think in the seventies she made a bunch of TV appearances you could watch on YouTube now. Mike Wallace, Phil Donahue. She was on Phil Donahue a few times. Donahue. Yeah, Donahue. <laughs> a rung on the ladder to the hell that is Jerry Springer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, when you think about the, the evolution or devolution of those kind of shows that it went, whether you agree with Ayn Rand or not, she at least had a very interesting ideas and wrote books that sold a lot of copies to you are not the father on Maury 40 years later. What happened? <laughs> Somewhere we took a left turn. <laughs> yeah, um, she was on Maury. But Phil Donahue is not that far from No, I don't see what the evolution of that kind of show, right? Yeah. It went from like super high-minded ideas, oh, at yeah, least yeah, debating yeah. ideas you could disagree with or agree with to this is not your child. Like it's That world has gone so far left, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, uh, they're goofy too. And again, I keep saying this. So you have a, uh, a young immigrant girl here who is fleeing a country that has a – I mean, uh, it, it's literally chaos going on over there. And then uh, all of a sudden she shows up over here and she's writing. She actually wrote for a couple of motion pictures. You know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, – a <clears throat> because she wrote for a bunch of stuff. Um, she's got a uh, – <laughs> it's pretty amusing because she has uh, – there's so much success that goes on with her where if she just had opinions that leaned a little bit in the other direction, you could see why she'd be uh, a champion and then – Every International Women's Month, they would read her books or something like that. But she she took the unpopular opinion on a lot of shit. I'm going to throw something. I, to me, she's almost like the the early version of the celebrity personality we have today. Where like Joe Rogan does a podcast. He does stand-up. He does all these things, but it's always based on his opinions and his philosophy, if you will, right? She was one of the first person. She was a celebrity, but she wasn't a singer or an actress. She was like, I'm just going to come on shows and create my own media, my books, my writings, my journal entries that will be put out to the, to the masses. And they'd be interviewed by that. I think it's, I mean, the, now this is pretty common, right? Guy, guy like you know, Jordan Peterson and stuff like that. They have different platforms. But it's always the same opinion they're espousing. She, I think, was probably one of the first people to do that in the modern media age of like, I can write a 1,200-page book. I can write a 5,000-word article. I can come on your interview show. And I'm going to make all of that interesting in a way people it's, – it's common today, but I'm guessing it was not that common in like the 1940s and 50s. Well, so you read The Fountainhead, like you were saying. And uh, The Fountainhead, obviously, uh, a big, big book for her. Um, 
You know who else read The Fountainhead and then uh, occasionally rereads it from time to time when he needs to get fired up about something? As uh, Mark Cuban. Oh, I, the Kahuna raises his hand like he does. <laughs> Do you? Was, buddy? No, it was more of a visual joke. But I was like, wait, this is a, I was like, this is a podcast, you idiot. <laughs> well, there's a lot of great people that have read that book. There's um, what's it called? Uh, 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 Rand Paul read that. Uh, George Rand W. Paul. Bush. Uh, Rand Paul. I mean, like he's named for her. Literally, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, because she espouses uh, an almost, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but uh, a unequivocal love for capitalism. Yeah. And I think that's so telling because she comes from Russia in you know the 1900s as you know the, the Bolsheviks are coming in. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to watch her kind of uh, – I don't know, imbibe those ideas, I guess. That's the word to say. I don't know. I'm going to guess one of the only people at the table who's pretty close to people. If I'm probably the closest level of immigration to America, right? Well, I guess not Jack because you came here yourself. But as far as coming from my wife's family yeah, is Cuban. Uh, yeah, so Jack is uh, Australian. Uh, I'm Irish. Uh, Kahuna is Irish. And um. <laughs> I'm Italian and my <laughs> wife is Cuban, right? Yeah. And what I find is the people that ride the hardest for America and capitalism were the closest to communism at some point in their life. And I think it's the- funny. That's that, why yeah, that works. Yes. I think <laughs> the longer you're here and the longer you experience capitalism, you see the- I think the longer you're in America, the more you see the bad side of it, the more you're critical of it, the more you think maybe other countries do things right. If you're first, second, maybe third generation here, you only see- this is so much better than what went on in my home country. Um, and that's kind of what I've seen in my family and my wife's family. They're both so pro-capitalism American. Like I always make the joke, man, my wife's family is 100% Cuban and they're so anti-communism and socialism. They don't watch team sports. Like they want nothing to do with teamwork whatsoever. <laughs> my family's been there a couple more generations. They're a little better. But even my dad, who you guys have met, great guy, but like super over the top right wing. He wants nothing to do with teamwork or anything like that, because his, his, his version of it is it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Um, like I always say, my dad is so conservative, he doesn't use sunscreen because it says apply liberally. Yeah. She, she's uh, <laughs> He won't watch hockey because there's left wingers. Yeah. A, a, a lot of her- There's one more one-liners on my dad's political opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you got two, two more, two more. <laughs> I'm good, good. A lot of her being is reactionary to uh, what- took place in russia she she's uh yeah as, as you say she was she was a huge advocate of laissez-faire capitalism like she believed laissez-faire uh, and uh that just means hands off by the way all right jack's very fancy and we love him for it <laughs> <laughs> but uh she yeah she believed that laissez-faire capitalism was the only economic system that was compatible with objectivism with 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 uh per, with the rights of the individual essentially with human rights as, as she saw it I've heard some people say that a lot of her writings were um, indicative of the whole idea that just you should be able to do at any given moment what you want if if it's going to lead to something good. I mean, yeah, me. I guess. Like, I'm not – this is – I'm in a somewhat difficult position just because I don't really like Ayn Rand at all. I, I actually – in fact, today I went down a little bit of a, a thread of, of – of a of her kind of a thread of her life that kind of really put me off, which we'll get into at some point, but well, then that's it folks. Thanks for tuning into another episode (laughs) of American loser. I'm the big kahuna and that's KP Burke. Bye everybody. (laughs) Um, 
I think uh, it's not exactly like it's not ex- it's not exactly do as thou wilt, right? Like that's not at least not that's not how objective because again it's applying reason and it's also like she was very against the initiation of force. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, she equated the the initiation of force with evil, right? So she saw that she she believed that co- like coercing anyone into doing something was unethical. In fact, evil. And that um so so she it wasn't exactly like do whatever you want. Although I would say to some extent in her heart there is something So laissez we'll faire is going to be hands off though, right? Like I, th- that's what they mean by that. And then so her her takes on uh her take on that is a little bit different or Well, it's not it's not so much it's so it's laissez faire capitalism, so it's like free market, absolutely no regulations. But <laughs> it's like, you know, don't don't uh don't rob other people. Right, so she saw the role of the government as a means to prevent the 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 wrongful initiation of force. Wrong. I uh, see. That's a huge word, right there. Wrongful. Um, right. Now here with the sneaker market, <clears throat> Angelo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I saw. What I was going to say is this: in, in the fountain, You're the main to the character- sneaker podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the fountainhead, the main character's name is this architect named Peter Rourke, right? And he wants to build this fountainhead the way he wants to build it. And he will quit his job. He will not work with other people. If the government gives him sanctions and say, you can't build it there because you're going to kill an endangered species. This guy is building the fountainhead because in his heart, he believes this fountainhead sculpture is going to serve the greater the greater good by being available for the, the people to look at and experience, right? Now, to bring it into our world, what I see that as is it's a comedian that is doing the same five minutes over and over and over again and not getting any, any, got any response. How long do you stick to the objectivist idea of, I think this five minutes is funny. It bombed at 17 open mics in a row, but I'm going to go up and do it at the 18th. And how much of it is you, after it doesn't work the 17 times, you're like, all right, maybe I got to change this punchline, go with a different premise, try something totally new. Because I think part of the idea is when you are talented and good and like the upper 1% of the talent scale, Keep you should one. be able to do whatever you want and the government and your friends and the market shouldn't sway your thoughts either way, right? But in the real world, I don't know if that, that's where it becomes kind of a contradiction because in our, the comedy world, at some point, the audience is probably right, right? If you, if, if you have a set that bombs the first time you do it on a Monday in an empty dive bar down the shore, it might be the audience, right? But if you do it 50 times in a row and nobody cracks a smile, eventually you have to adapt to the market. Is that, is that fair to say or not? His name is Andy Highroller and we cannot control him. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like the libertarian thing, like which Ayn Rand a lot of libertarians look to Ayn Rand as inspiration, although she actually did not really like libertarians that much. She saw them as it, plagiarists. She really is a walking contradiction, right? Yeah, she's is a Is that mess. fair enough to say? She's a, yeah. A lot. But yeah, libertarians are basically like, do what you want, but be prepared to face the consequences. And I uh, – yeah. So – but she is really um, – uh, again, like there's so many things about her that, that, that are contradictory seemingly. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, she's like a conservative icon, but was, you know, this, you know, in her, you know, in her private life, or not really private life, because it's pretty public, but she was like strutting around. She was like this sex panther, you know. Keep going about sex panther. There's a lot to talk about here. She got her fuck on a lot. (laughs) Well, uh, okay, so she got married to Frank O'Connor and there was at least one extramarital affair. Uh, I, I suspect there was more. There are rumors 
Well, there's rumors. I don't know if there's rumors, but you know, I uh, I, I have suspicions, and a Jack Steiger suspicion is as good as go. <laughs> <laughs> We figure she yeah. was born in uh, 1904. I'm sorry. Uh, 1905. 1905. Correct. Thank you, Coons. Um, but then she's got a couple of weird things in here too that uh, just kind of struck out of me. Uh, number one is that she was – I think she was working for uh, – in 1927, Kahuna, she was working for uh, Cecil B. DeMille. Really? As a junior screenwriter, yeah. Yeah. I tell the official story and I'll tell you my take on it. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, she wound up getting hired. Uh, I think she worked for the – according to this, it was the wardrobe department. But she worked for RKO, which is the studio that made uh, all the uh, Orson Welles movies, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Which, of course, leads us into War of the Worlds, New Jersey. But uh, Is that our Jersey connection? As loose as I could apply it. <laughs> There's another one. I found a, a tenuous, another tenuous one. A very oh, for real? One. Yeah. It has oh, this is good that. then. It's a, sort of a peer of hers, who, Isabel Patterson. Like there were these three, there's kind of like these three godmothers of libertarianism. Um, I think it was Rose Wilder Lane, uh, Isabel Patterson, and Ayn Rand. And they were peers. Um I'm not sure if all three knew each other, but certainly Ayn and Isabel Patterson knew each other. And uh, I, this isn't really a new, but she she died. Uh, she was uh, she died uh, in New Jersey. Isabel Patterson, who was this close, good friend of of Ayn Rand, but they they like fell out at, at some point. And oh damn! So, but she had a big. Influence. I, I very sort of much badly wanted that to be. Uh, they were going to tie it into uh, Patterson, who was uh, a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, Willie P. So hmm. it's possible. You know why uh, people be inbred? So it's possible. <laughs> I'm not even sure if the well, or she could just be a descendant. I'm not sure why my mind went to inbred. I'm not sure why my she mind also, went to inbred. She also she also could not be inbred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know. William Patterson, man. We're talking about like science of the Declaration, man. They're all ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy hell. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, this would be curious because Jack's going to have a great answer on it. But Angela, if you had to define the idea of uh, libertarianism as we're talking about it on the show, uh, what would that be? Because we've covered it on the show before where Barry Goldwater ran as a libertarian Republican and it was a very unpopular opinion to have at the time because he was actively running against civil rights. You know, like, yeah, I don't know if we should do that. We th- there should be some government, you know. But what, what I, does it I, mean to you? I, I guess to to make it simple, I kind of view it as kind of Jack said, if we're do whatever you want, but then suffer the consequences from doing whatever you want, right? Um, I like, so like for example, if you want to start a business, the government should be hands off. You should be able to get the property, take a loan out, and then you got to deal with the bank and all they choose to deal with. Because in this case, the bank is also going to be hands off, so the interest rate might be crazy because the government wouldn't rec- you know, wouldn't regulate the interest <laughs> rate on a loan. Fair, um, and then you got to deal with your just your your product people and stuff like that, kind of in a government hands off situation. So I think uh, to me, it always seems like a great idea. That kind of fails in practice, right? Because what has in, a, in that example the, we we love and elevate business owners to the top of society, but that also means the water company can out of the blue make your water bill ten times what it should be, and you have no recourse because there's nothing regulating that part of the market as well. 
Is you that need fair? A little uh, pushback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I kind of, I think it's a great idea. I think I, I kind of watch like commenters, in my opinion. It's a great idea that doesn't work because human nature won't, doesn't work like that. Right. I, I'd like, I like to, everybody at this table to do well in life until you take your, put your hand in my pocket. Then we, then you can't do well in life anymore. Right. Um, and it's kind of, and that's different because we're all friends, but like I, I care about my neighbor, but not enough that I'm not going to eat tonight so he can. Jesus, you could just say you're not donating to my Kickstarter. You don't got to freaking go all the way around the way just to say that. Freaking uh, dick. Don't worry. Cohen is about to make a lot of money. He is a libertarian uh, and donate to your Kickstarter. They would just say, let it be a private thing don't 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 make it like a tax that goes to people well, yeah, it's dogecoin to people's well, you, don't make this deep bro films. please don't i don't have the brain capacity for it <laughs> could, could you can you make can you make an argument that kickstarter is a purchase that a libertarian person would completely be on board with because you're contributing to something you want to see happen yeah so it's, right? not, a tax. Like, it's not a tax it's not a t- deliberate like yeah i i would a libertarian would be opposed to it being a tax that goes to cahoon's amateur porn film like i'm sorry god damn it <laughs> spoilers dude i, th- I thought you should have grabbed the mic you know, don't call it amateur <laughs> we got a whole fucking crew man it is not amateur it's a fucking have you seen my dick have you seen my beautiful dick do you have any you idea think, we- you think this is amateur do you have any idea we spent on lighting already <laughs> You know much how much lighting we need. Do you know how much lighting we need for that? <laughs> Larry, Larry, if you can hear me, please come back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> for as little as three dollars a month, you can help support the show oh, on Patreon. We very much appreciate you guys. Oh, that was um, a good riff. Uh, dude, don't no, downplay it. That was great. No, it's fine. We're just funny. getting started. This is this is, oh, this is Joe Rogan with Alex Jones and Eddie Bravo. This is. This is where this is. Yeah, you, you brought that over. How long? Documents. How long? How long is that episode? That's like fucking Lord of the Rings. Like. Ten, 10 hours of people talking. Mm-hmm. Four and a half hours. Mm. We can do it. Yeah. It's Lord of the Rings extended. That's cut. a beatable record. <laughs> All right. So where are we at in this woman's story? So she's just in. She's in Hollywood now. She's a writer. Well, uh, Ayn is very funny because uh, we talk about it on the show a couple of times that. Uh, the political parties kind of move directions every 30 years or so. Yeah. They can, in a very basic sense, they kind of swap. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I would be, that's an interesting thing. So like political, I actually have some, some interesting, uh, juice on that. Um, always Jack, trust your instincts. There is a, (laughs) there is this notion called Sekhmet theory, which is this idea that Sekhmet. Yeah. Um, it's named for an Egyptian god. I'm not sure where that connection comes from, but it basically is based. It's there's apparently these. There's a solar cycle which lasts about 22 years, but there's like a kind of yin phase to the solar cycle, and then a yang phase. So this kind of male feminine kind of uh, cycle that that uh, and it tracks to cultural trends. Yeah, that's cool. And so, you know, and it's it, it, so it's like each one is about 11 years, right? So you can start like let's start with like 1955. That was kind of the the agro male uh cultural trend and that's where you kind of had everybody the fashion was everybody was buttoned up, you know, white picket fences, you know, conservative politics, you know, um good old boys, good old fashioned values, yada yada yada. And then 1966 that's where the hippie movement really came into 
into its strength. And then the fashion was, you know, loose clothes. People's hair was very long and, you know, marijuana, LSD, and, you know. Just, yeah, all the shit hand flow is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get into ni- then 1977, you know. That's where you kind of get into like Wall Street and the the counterculture was punk and spiky hair and spiked boots and aggressive death metal and cocaine was was the drug of choice for the, you know, underworld. And then um, flash forward to um, 1988 and that's, you know. Uh, of course, wants to like, you know, kind of the beginning of the 90s, the slacker kind of comedy, you know, Skater Boys, Kevin Smith, you know. Uh, Kuna, do you know about Kevin Smith or no? Uh, <laughs> I don't know much about him. But the star I, of Clerks 3. I just found that it, that's just something that I think with a lot about this idea. There is, and you can track it. Like it literally is like this 11, it's this alternating 11 year uh Cycle. It's 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 very interesting. Since we're talking about books, I'm reading a book right now, about 30 pages. It's called The 90s by Chuck Klosterman or Klosterman. All right, it's a great it's, it's a great book so far. It's really cool. And his version of it is like there's the decades that start on January 1st, 1990 to December 31st, 1999. Right. <laughs> but if you look at the vibes, the way Jack says it, the, the moons, I want to view it. It's actually his version of the 90s is from it's like late September 91 when Nirvana drops Nevermind until the Twin Towers went down on September 11, 2001. Right. And that's and everything he says, that that's really the decade. Right. So it's kind of closer to the 11 year cycle you brought up than the actual 10 year cycle on the calendar. Um, but if you guys like books and you remember the 90s, I'm about, about 100 pages into that. It's really good. The other thing, since we're talking about old stuff, have you guys seen the documentary on HBO, Woodstock 99? Well, uh, my cousin Kate, who's been a guest on the show, lived it. Uh, her and her husband went to uh, Limp Bizkit. Can, can, I, can I just say something to the listeners of your show? Of course. Uh, I, I'm in a weird generation. I'm, I'm 44 years old, right? So I'm not like the boomer comics everybody hates, but I'm not the cool millennial comics like you guys, right? I'm and right in the middle. younger than us. When I always tell young people when I meet them is when you meet somebody my age, or let's say 40 to 47 or so, watch that Woodstock 99 documentary and realize that was our good old days. Like, the ne- <laughs> like we grew up in an era Kurt Cobain killed himself Biggie and Tupac killed each other and then it never got better oh, it, it, oh god That's, I've never heard the three of them mentioned uh, in a triumvirate quite like that so that's actually pretty great that's uh Jesus Christ oh, god. yeah damn that's uh that hurt my brain a little bit yeah. That one's rough, buddy. That that's not a that's not a good landing, right? I, I hate that I brought that up on the show, but there's not too many other decades where the three icons passed away that close to each who other. You said Tupac, Biggie, and who? Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we did just lose XXX well, Tentacion. Uh, can, can I drop one more one more bar on you guys? And you might course. get to this. In 2000, <laughs> in 2017, I was doing this podcast Angela called the A and R podcast. Before he got here. No, no, no. I just because you brought up XXX Tentacion. In 2017, I was on a po- I was hosting a podcast called the A and R podcast about local hip hop, right? And one of the kids brought up, "What do you think about the current SoundCloud trap music that's real popular right now?" Right? And I said on the podcast, it's on the internet now. Five, six years ago now, some of these kids are not going to live very long because the drugs they're doing, they're taking Xanaxes like Skittles and that ain't going to work long term. And they're mixing gangs and the internet in ways they're not supposed to be mixed. And now five, six years later, 
10, 12 of them have already died because of overdoses and mixing gangs in the internet. Uh, and I hate to say it, but I, I was, I'm sad about it. I was dead right about that generation of music. Like those are two things you cannot do long term and think it's going to work out for you. No, it's, I just. Uh, I also want to state I brought up XXX and Tassion as a fucking joke. I did not. No, I, I no. I just want to put that out there. Anyway, well, but yeah, as those who are uh, loser devotees are well aware, uh, the Kahuna is hip hop royalty. So. <laughs> It ain't even like that, dude. So his, his opinion matters a little more. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Who's well, how? Are you, wait, what does that mean? We'll get into it after the show. It's hard it's to a good explain. One. I'll tell you, what, we'll tell you off air. It's a good one. Is your father Dwayne the Rock Johnson? <laughs> Damn it, he knows. Kuna <laughs> um, is a wild Samoan. <laughs> um, so, uh, by the way, the uh, the one uh, presidential person that she actually wrote for, she was. Uh, Let's see here. She was writing for Wendell Wiki is the guy. And uh, if you want to have a weird loser tie-in, um, Wendell Wiki is who FDR actually beat in the 1940 presidential election. Uh, and as you guys know, as Kahuna knows, Kahuna, uh, it, it's that year ends in a zero. Oh, man. What does that mean? Oh, God, the curse of Tippecanoe. There's this weird curse of Tippecanoe where everybody who is elected president. Are you sure you want to bring this up right now? I, I, I'm still curious because I, I don't I'm – always, I'm always going to be American. I always want to root for America. Mm -hmm. But it, it's pretty weird that there's such an old guy in the Oval Office right now and he won in 2020. And I don't know. Shit could go weird at any moment, guys. All right? But you really uh, should edit that out, Cahoon. Like, <laughs> oh, going down a dangerous I mean, path. I I walk down that line, folks. All right. I will say this though: it's curious that uh, Angela was giving us all these weird pop culture moments, and then at the same time, like that's the weird. The changes that you're talking about are the changes that happen, where all of a sudden uh, Ayn Rand becomes problematic. So. Jack, if you had to say when and where Ayn becomes problematic, is it based off of uh, objectivism? Is her like where she becomes problematic in the SJ Dub sense, or because she's she's a bad person, depending on who you're talking to? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways in which I think, well, certainly, an, an like an SJ Dub would hate her for pretty much all of her being, you know, except the sex stuff because she's just out there. You know, getting it <laughs> on a nightly basis. Um, yeah, but um, she had some uh, views on. She 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 made a lot of uh, like like philosophical overtures about how like the Native Americans didn't have a right to, or that it was perfectly fine for the European colonists to take the the New World for themselves. And that's her biggest flaw, they say. That's one of them. Critics. That well, we're SJ Dub critics. I'm <laughs> I'm not an SJ Dub, and I have criticisms. Um, but um, uh, she also uh, has she 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 was not f fond of the Palestinians. Like she kind of took a very strident stance on the Israel Palestine conflict, and uh, that's always going to be one of those weird uh, situations. Yeah, kind of. A, Anybody who has a firm opinion on that, well, uh, anyone who has a firm opinion about that is wrong. That's like, that's all I can yeah. say about all that. Or, or, or <laughs> is shunned into silence. 
It gets pushed down into the deep underworld of the psyche and then mutates into fascism. This is why we have Amon. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got some uh, occasional rough opinions, but uh, I can't figure out why a guy like John Oliver is dedicating an entire seven minute segment on his Sunday night show to debasing her. That's still weird to me. She's, she's, she's her her specter looms large. Like she's a real presence. Like and, and a lot of modern conservatism. Oh, like she's she's there in a lot. Like like her spiritual DNA is in modern conservatism. Um, and uh, and her 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 fans are very zealous. Like you know she she criticized communism. For being an atheist, she hated religion, right? Because she saw it as irrational, <laughs> which is one of the ways she's a contradicting. Like she's she's a conservative f- fiscally, but like socially, she's pro- very liberal. Like she was she was f- for abortion. She was uh, she didn't like she didn't seem to like gays, but she was she she opposed any like uh, barriers to them being married, right? And she uh, also. Um, but and then she's that's all, like a weird uh, your morality versus the state kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. And um, but you know, but and uh, and she's also getting her fuck on. <laughs> she just be getting her fuck on. And we skipped over the Cecil DeMille thing, but I, I wanted to uh, dive in, <laughs> dive in, fellas. Well, the the official story is that like she just had like an interview for a job uh, in Hollywood because she really wanted to be a writer or something. And uh, she she just kind of came out of an interview and it didn't I don't it, it didn't go super well. But then you know pulling up in a fancy car is uh, Cecile DeMille, uh, and she um she, she ends up getting in the car somehow, and then they uh, uh, they talk and he ends she he ends up giving her a job as an extra on The King of Kings where she meets Frank O'Connor who would go on to be her husband. And that was kind of like her inroad to, you know, becoming a writer and her success. And that's the official story. But, you know, getting into a fancy car with a high rank, like, a, you know, a high powered. I like how he says the official story. Yeah, exactly. There's more here, yeah, folks. I have the documents. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. You guys ever notice with a lot of times women and maybe sometimes men, the idea of safety that we teach young girls goes out the window if the person is rich. For example, <laughs> this situation, jumping in the car of a fancy car. If everybody saw the Twitter swindler, when the guy meets a girl one day, creeps yeah. in and goes, you want to get on a private jet? And she's like, absolutely. Let that guy DM. You want to get my Hyundai Elantra? Like, get the F out of here. But a private plane, I will risk it all. Let's go. Abduct me. Yeah. But yeah. So what do yeah, you it's think? real. You cannot be abducted by a wealthy person. You just cannot. If they have a nice car, get in. See what happens. I don't know. That's I'm I looking think the for most a problematic thing that's been said in this podcast, but I'm okay with it. I don't know. Let's just fucking whatever. Fuck the SJ dubs. I'm just done with the SJ dubs. But what, um, what, what I was going to say, and I, I don't know much about the official story versus the unofficial story, but from a, you know, KP brought a women's history. If you think about women of her era, and how much she produced as far as having multiple published books, worked on movies in Hollywood, worked on tons of magazines oh, she was and essays. Prolific, yeah. And and a hundred years later, oh seven years later, we're still talking about her. That's a short list of women that were writing from 1920 to 1960 that we're still having this conversation about. It's it's less than 10. 
Uh, I think you're right. It might it, honestly, it's not that many dudes time. at this point. We're a hundred years past this, but it's almost no women. She might have been the the most long lasting impact women woman of her generation to some extent. Is that fair to say? Um, or one of one of the top so, five to ten? Absolutely. And then why she would fit in on a show like this is because uh, everything that she did is still relevant. And then also, uh, I mean, no one talks about her unless they're just dragging her through the mud. <laughs> that seems to be the gimmick with her. Um, she gets just, she really does get just beat up. All She's the like time. a bad guy in wrestling to me. <laughs> they just parade around every once in a while when they got to prove how great you are and your ideas don't, you know, don't work. That's a good way of putting her, yeah. She's a heel. She's a heel in wrestling. Yeah. She's not a baby face. Well, she has all the wrong opinions. Um, I, I shouldn't say wrong, actually. That's probably incorrect. Uh, well, like wrong if you're a Hollywood liberal well, <laughs> or a modern day Hollywood liberal. Like, um, but... Um, Listen, Kahuna's trying to get a gig on Sesame Street, so we got to play a cool. <laughs> um, she, yeah. So, um, she, but like, yeah, she was. She was someone, as I said, a ma mess of contradictions, right? Like a lot of the people, like the the politicians, like Mark Cuban, and you know Ron Paul and Rand Paul, who would like Ron Paul named his son for her, right? But these are Christians. <laughs> yeah. These are these are Christians. And uh but like but she hadn't she had nothing but contempt for Christianity. She saw Christianity as a religion of slaves. Well, she was uh she really was a pisser. Um <laughs> it's an odd way to explain it, but go ahead. Oh no, yeah. I, I would uh my father would say that too. Um no, she was a pisser. She the people that are Here's why I think she fits in for this show. The people that hate her truly fucking hate her. Uh, and then the people that like her like her even though she probably yeah, probably would not like them. Does that make any sense or no? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting idea that she had such like singular views on the world and the way things should be. And then like you pull up behind a, a beat up pickup truck with a bumper sticker that says, who is John Galt? And you're like, I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think you're what she had in mind. You're, you're drinking a, a big gulp and smoking a Newport out the window. I don't think she's the, I don't think you're the idea of objectivism she had. That will not get the respect that it deserves. It really does deserve more than that. Holy hell. All right. Who is John Galt? Yeah, that's uh, like, it's like, Give me flashbacks to reading that fucking book. It was like just William Buckley. When, when you read her books, did you actually enjoy any moment of it or no? Um, I felt like I was being set up to enjoy it and then my hopes were dashed. I'm telling you, it's not a good book. Like no, Fountainhead no. is a much better ROI. Oh, like, Ange hated it. He yeah. Said, yeah. Oh, really? I, then, well, yeah. Here's what, here's what I say about her as a writer, right? It's like a, she writes the the world that she's telling her story in so completely, so over the top completely that you don't need that kind of detail to get the story across, right? It's almost like if you ever played a, a video game where the world is great, but the story is kind of lame or the, the playing part's <laughs> kind of lame. That's what the Fountainhead was to me. Like she creates a world that's compelling and then takes another 1,100 pages to tell a story she could have told in 300 pages. That's a very good description of her writing style because yeah. at, at, like, from what I remember of Atlas Shrugged, I felt that there were points where it was very – like for someone who's, who's – like English was her fourth language, 
maybe uh, I don't know exactly how many languages, hey, but yeah, I think that's was, crazy. Yeah, Ru- so like, she's uh, she's from Russia, and then what are the uh, other languages? I, we I know? think she spoke German and French, and obviously she spoke English. But you can, if you, I think she spoke at least four languages, and I think those were the languages. Um, but. Um, she had a very. I, I blindly believe it. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. The, I don't know the answer to that. Um, she had a very good mastery of English language, and her prose isn't like that terrible. Like it's it's written by someone who's very competent in. in I think I didn't even realize she was Russian until after I'd finished Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> and um, um, the, the thing is, is that she she'll kind of like she's very good at like describing the setting and the mood and. It's just very evocative, but you know, then her ca- like the story's kind of preposterous, and the characters sometimes go on. Like you know, she had this she she had an amphetamine problem, and there are definitely points in Atlas Shrugged where she got really methed out. Like I, you can feel the moments. And, and just because I she wrote, started typing fast, yeah, and like these, <laughs> you these, these all like the keys. you know, peppered throughout the book are these like. 20, 30 page screeds where a character basically just describes la- essentially laissez faire capitalism. Can, can, and we're doing really good. Everything's great. Everything's <laughs> yeah. great. We're having a good time. Can, can I throw out two things real quick? I think Always. the modern day equivalent to her in the writing world for TV is Shonda Rhimes. The way she'll have a character just burst into a room full of people and go on a, a seven minute soliloquy about their stance on the world and then walk <laughs> out and nobody challenges them. And like in real life, you'd be like, hold up, let me explain my point and why you were wrong three times before you took a breath. If you watch any of the Sean Rhyme shows, I think that's a, a good analogy. And the other one, because I wrote a video game for, have you guys ever played Bioshock for PS3? Yeah, yeah. Bioshock is based well, on the idea, it, or though. loosely based on the idea of objectivism, which is, I guess, an Atlas Shrugged where all the most talented people go off on their own and create their own society. So in the Bioshock games, it's under the sea. They have a biosphere under the water, and the game is like, you're kind of trapped in there trying to get out, and you go... You find these like uh, like tapes of what happened and why it fell. And if the fall of it is basically, I, I think if you don't read into it too deeply, it's just like if you have one bad person in that ideal society, they can be super selfish and destroy the entire thing over time. They were great games. Oh, They're 15 wow, years okay. old now. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there's Bioshock 1, which is really good. Bioshock 2, not as good. And then Bioshock Infinite uh, is really good. I want to say again. Kahuna probably played that. No. Nah. Nah? Uh, Bioshock uh, was a little... Not before, not before my time. Uh, a little after, like after I kind of fell out of playing video games for a minute and just kind of focused on doing like as pretentious as it sounds, fucking arts and shit like that. <laughs> like I, I kind of stopped playing video games for a so, mad long time. Yeah, real quick, yes. I think it gotta be the, the right age too because they came out. I think the first one was oh seven, right? And I was, yeah, in, I was, in, I was in my late. 20s at that point but still playing video games I think you had to be the weird dynamic of an adult that still played video games just little kids couldn't get it and older people kind of out of that phase already but it, at least it triggered my interest enough to eventually read the fountainhead and be and look this stuff up to be able to talk to you guys tonight so I will say that's one like positive of that game I watched them somebody on YouTube compile comp- like on YouTube you'll find various video games com- like with their the, the gameplay and cutscenes compiled into like a movie and I, I, there was a period where I would watch those because I, I didn't want to waste the time playing the video game because I just I'm cheap and I also just don't really enjoy playing video games that much but I find their stories like really compelling but so I'd waste the equivalent amount of time not playing the video game but just watching it <laughs> they are actually really. Good. I well, found yeah. them very. I found people the Bioshock. have made careers off of that, bro. Yeah, yeah really. That's yeah. literally yeah, a thing sure, now. Yeah. People, people make millions of dollars just playing yeah. video games and just showcasing the narrative. Oh my! Yeah, well, 
Well, a, a weird thing too is that uh, Ayn Rand, like uh, I'll ask both of you guys this. When did you find out about uh, Ayn in your own life? Because I found out about her very, very young and I did not understand her. Um, I didn't know what to do with the idea that I uh, was finding out about her. But like – When when did I find out about yeah, her? Yeah, when did you find out about her? I, I described it at the top of the podcast. <laughs> I, I literally – Don't th- remember. It was when my friend Arnold, the LeBron James – the former LeBron James of the Philippines uh, put um, – Recommended and he forced this, this on you, huh? Yeah, in the way that I forced him onto another Um But uh, the uh, yeah, that's that's really where I, I I found out about her. But like, it was at a time where I remember um, at 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 school. I was I, I had the book with me and I left it on a table and I was just sitting I I was like on my phone or something and somebody came into this like common room and they saw Atlas shrugged on the table and they're like what why the hell like this is back in Australia so like why the hell is what's this book doing here oh Atlas shrugged everybody's reading that nowadays <laughs> and this is like 2012 so she was having a moment and this is around the time you read Fountainhead. Same year, the so, same year. I remember. So she was I, having a moment. Branch that year she was having it. a moment. There's this weird, I like, almost like cycle in her life. And I feel like she was having, and maybe still having a moment like now for some reason. I, well, I, real quick, I have no idea where she came in my life. Much like the Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, mm-hmm. I don't know when it happened, but it always seems to have been a part of my life. <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere around, well, I guess that Bioshock game was 2007, 2008. I played that when it came out, so that must have been the first time. <laughs> and then I think you'd agree now with the way we're, we've become so divided on our response to the coronavirus and COVID. That's kind of another reason why some people are riding extra hard on the right wing objectivist side of things because now is the time where you need the bumper sticker and the yeah. t-shirt and carry the book around with you to really you know virtue signal where you stand on things and that you're not in the middle anymore because in the last couple of years it's hard to be in the middle of anything uh there's no middle anymore there's no middle whatsoever um yeah that's why you got to break free beyond good and evil baby <clears throat> chaos magic chaos magic with jack steiger mm-hmm. starting here next week at a shared universe podcast studio mm-hmm. It's actually Catholicism. <laughs> Dude, people think uh, all the time too, by the way, uh, we'll occasionally get some criticism where people will think that we're uh, against the Catholic Church, but it really is a weird witch in a pointy hat that decides what we do. Nah, that's a gross oversimplification, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, fellas. Uh, Ayn Rand, I found out about. This is the weirdest one. I don't think anybody has a weirder story than this. Um, the real world. Okay. The MTV real world. Correct. Let's uh, go. <laughs> New Orleans. Real world, New Orleans. Um, there was a guy on there. That uh, I forget what his name was, but it doesn't even matter. Uh, anyway, he was one of the contestants on The Real World, and he uh, espoused the views of Ayn Rand. And then all of a sudden, we were sitting there and we're like, oh, well, I should probably figure this out. And then I wound up Googling her. And then five years later, here we are doing a podcast about it. 
But uh, boys, anything you want to promote on the way out? Is this it? This is the end? Uh, I think so. We're, we hit the hour mark. I mean, okay. I have a, I have a whole lot. I've got a lot more. I've studied up on this. Well, goddamn, Jack, fucking unload on us, will you? Well, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, I don't want to pull us all, but I, don't, I just feel like it's, uh, I don't know. Like we didn't get it. At didn't some kill point, her. Angelo has to see his family. Yeah, so. I suppose. We didn't get to kill her. <laughs> I just want to say that I don't really like her, and that I actually went on a on a thread. She had an admiration for a uh, a murderer named William Hickman. Murdered a young girl named. Uh, Why do I know that name? Uh, what was what was the case? Uh, it's your real name. Yeah, fuck he, you. <laughs> he murdered a girl named Marion Parker, and she, she and another. Oh yeah, I know this case. He, yeah. he murdered two people actually. It was her and a dude named Christian Cortez. Why Someone, do you know this shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She um. Uh, so he yeah that that was a uh I think a botched uh robbery of a drugstore like but um. Or he just decided this guy was a really vicious psychopath who murdered a girl horribly. Like I won't even. And she it. was, and she sided with him. Yeah, I, I, what, like she, is she didn't exactly side with with her. See, this is the thing: is that Ayn Rand, I think, was a bit of a horn dog. I think she just had some really weird sexual stuff, and you can see in her work, like Atlas Shrugged, the the girl who's sort of a proxy for her, just just gets her like she's kind of writing like uh, uh, erotic fiction to some extent, and. Um, nice. And and like she, yeah, like she was very, you know. And again, Angela points out a picture that uh, she's being uh, she's being espoused to uh, Karl Marx and also Donald Trump. So I don't know who jumps the uh, political line more than her. I feel like it's a solid thirty points. <laughs> Wait, what? who who jumps the political line more than Donald? Oh, Trump? she jumps around, man. Uh, She's crazy. Well, yeah, but the thing about I just I was you know she had this admiration for or, or saw something in him like because because apparently like in she 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 admired his disregard for other people's opinion and <laughs> and apparently he was like in one of his interviews he said something to the effect of I am like the state what is good for me is right. And she said, like, that was the embodiment of a fully realized man's psychology. She actually liked that and admired that. And, like, if I invite all of your listeners, and you'll, you, I think you're going to get a lot of hate mail for this podcast, but I'll, <laughs> because she, her, her, her fans are extremely zealous. They, they, you know, there's a little Ayn Rand in every little objectivist out there. And they, they do not tolerate any criticism of her. And, like, um, you know, because they don't really – it's not really objectivism. It's never just objectivism. It's always Ayn Rand. Like it's – you're always – you're not just – if you try to contest objectivism, you're always – you're coming up against Ayn Rand herself. Her ghost is inside of every single objectivist and it's a mean-spirited ghost who hates all criticism. And you can look at her. I really do not like her and there are limitations on her philosophy as far as I'm concerned, but we won't get into it because you're trying to wrap up and <laughs> eclipse uh... my – if Career. I was ever gonna wrap up, it would not be on this. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I invite—I don't really invite your listeners to look into. If you, if you're not, if you don't like Ayn Rand, don't look into it. But this is a really terrible murderer, and for her to express even the merest, <laughs> even the merest. No, but I'm being serious. Like even the merest. I know, but you're the best. But if she's she, to express even the merest amount of admiration for this person, like. 
like I got this feeling that it's it I mean I can I I have a feeling which she was very against feeling she was always this hyper rational stuff but there's this sense that I get from her is that it was some weird I don't even want to say it I think it was like some canker something. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I I get the sense like the the idea that she would have any kind of admiration for this whole like he murdered a twelve year old girl and in a in very vicious fashion. And this, I'm a little bit emotive about this because this is literally I knew she had this admiration for him, but I didn't go into the details about this until like today. Like I finished studying for the podcast, and then today I went down this thread, and it was just really I kind of that folks he studies for the podcast, (laughs) but it was really bad. And like honestly, if you're a fan of Ayn Rand, like look into what William Hickman, Hickman did, and then look and then compare that to her words on him like so it's like this is well dude this guy's awful he is awful and and, but but for her to have any admiration for him like and like to to see in him as like kind of like i could see the shadow of the like she he tried she tried to downplay it and she was just like you know it wasn't that it it wasn't what he represent it. It wasn't him because he she ended up being inspired by this person and ended up writing a book uh, or a book that never got published, but um, she wanted to write a book and she made this character named Danny. And he said that the the murderer, William Hickman, was not the model, but the man that William Hickman suggested was the model. And I, I just found that sickening. It was just this weird squirming around. And like, I found it despicable. I think, and honestly, there's a lot of ways in which he's despicable, but we don't have time to Why get into it. How did you do that? Can Good I throw Lord. something real quick? Please. I, I, no, I think I think the mistake the overall majority of her followers make is they put too much stock in the artist instead of the art, right? It's like, I'm from the 90s. I like R. Kelly's music. I can't defend what he did with young <laughs> girls, right? And to some extent, if you got in my face and you're like, R. Kelly's a trash human being, I'm like, you're right. But the remix to Ignition goes extra, extra, extra hard, okay? So, I, I her followers... <laughs> Her followers, I think we better serve her. Her followers, <laughs> let me let everybody stop. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I you're just, good, man. It's 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 comical how often I've heard this fucking argument, and it's always R. Kelly and fucking Ignition. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, so, but, but my thing uh, is, that, but what Jack is saying is right. Right, yeah. right. I would, but I would respect her current day followers if they said I. I I follow and ascribe to objectivism, but the writer of objectivism had some issues in her personal life that I can't agree with. That to me would be an adult way to look at this. Not I'm going to ride or die for Ayn Rand. And if you question any part of her personal professional life, I'm going to do everything I can to, to crush your opinions on things. But yeah, I mean, it's, right? they're not that powerful. There aren't that many objectivists, right? But you will find yourself in a weird circuitous argument about the merits of objectivism and also the virtues of Ayn Rand. I, I, you know, and Ayn Rand, you know, I'm a big believer in judging people by what they look like. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, and if you look at Ayn Rand, you will see a uh, in her, you know when she was in her physical prime, there is the suggestion of kind of like a serpent in her face, and just kind of like you look oh, at her. She ain't pretty. No, she that, and pretty. that's you she looks that, like the wicked witch. Right now, the picture that you have up of her that is her best picture, her very pe- best picture. It sounds like right. it sounds yeah. like that's her yeah. very best picture, <laughs> and it's like you look at that pitch, picture compared to what she actually looked like, and it's like, damn, you were savage with that camera. Listen, you, know, you, you you know how to work. A camera, but I'm telling you, you, look at her. It's just a fucking. Listen, I am 
as as a fellow ugly motherfucker, I don't like to make fun of ugly, other people's he's appearances. He's very handsome. I don't know why he says. But this. like, if this woman walked into the room and the the Wicked Witch's theme song didn't start playing, I'd have some questions. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, that's a great picture of her. Like, look at her on Mike Wallace, and that's like the second best. Like when she was like kind of in her physical prime, when she was probably getting her fuck on at the most. And then um and and you and you'll see oh there you see another picture easy, folks. yeah this bitch had no estrogen like a Monday morning <laughs> this bitch had no estrogen she was just out there like I love endocrine system jokes step your hormone game up yeah and she was just out there getting her fuck on just you know and I think she really she saw herself as very pretty like from what I remember I was so frustrated because if you read Atlas Shrugged it's obvious that Danny Dagny Taggart is a stand-in for her and she's this rapturously beautiful woman who men fall in love with her and she she like has these affairs and has this extramarital affair with this other guy whatever and it's obvious and then i and then and then i look at interviews with her i'm like bitch you ain't fine (laughs) like and she's not so when i say i'm a believer in judging people by what they look like like i'm not obviously it's not like someone's good looking so obviously they're they're of of good character like obviously that's not true right um, because hot girls are awful, but um, the the uh, but Iron Man, you can you can just see her cruelty and callousness uh, written into her he's, face. He's one of my favorite friends, folks. Yeah. What, are you do? what are you gonna do? <laughs> so yeah, she's um, uh, she's of an ex- yeah. You can just see the kind of cruelty in her. And 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 you can see it. Just look at interviews of her. She's just constantly locking horns to people. You you watch her on Phil Don. Like although on Phil, that isn't really fair because she had a bunch of idiots like like calling her out and shit. But yeah, really, uh, very conceited. And uh, yeah, and honestly, like if you're a fan of her, if you're an objectivist who's an Ayn Rand stan, look into William Hickman and compare that to what she said about him. Like there's no there's no I don't know I do not know what kind of She's obviously there's some kind of there's something wrong there for her to have admiration and for that to be like for that to be inspirational for her. What what that guy did, it was awful. And like I'm I'm kind I got real like I almost, I don't know why it took me so long. Her to look whole into story it. is like brutal. Her you know? story? Oh, her story is brutal. And I then no, she got to she left Soviet Russia before anything terrible happened to her, and she got to have this illustrious <laughs> career as a writer, and she got to have a celebrity, and she got and she got her fuck on a bunch. She had a good life, at least in terms of, you know, having, you know, enjoying her life, you know, which she would be very, you know, she would, she would be fine with me saying that. And she would, she would be proud of that. But I don't know how much virtue she had. I don't know how much virtue she had. I really don't. I think she, there is a limitation of virtue is a good word, but we're talking about, we're talking about Ayn Rand. We're not talking about her philosophy. Maybe that's a different, not episode of this podcast, but a different podcast. We can, uh, but there's a lot I could say about her. But like, yeah. honestly, I'm kind of done with Iron Man. I'm just <laughs> done. I'm just fucking done. Mic drop. Blah. Jack's out, motherfuckers. <laughs> Jack is one of my uh, favorite friends to have because uh, you can bank on him. You know what I mean? Uh, and what were you going to say? I have nothing. Oh, God. Really? No way. Don't do that to me. <laughs> all I was going to say was, I, I think I, both, I agree with both of you guys. You're probably a terrible person, had a rough life to some extent, and you can argue objectivism all day and night, right? But she was unquestionably successful at being at getting ideas out there and being a published author and well. having people talk about the, and having been a part of the conversation for close to 100 years. Um, 
That's why I, I think that's part of the thing in America. Like the good guy doesn't always win, right? That's part of it that we're still talking about her and not probably some people had some better ideas and were better people. <laughs> but I don't think you question how her success at being a thought leader of the time. I don't. I think that's unquestionable. Um. Yeah. But there, there are better like libertarian thinkers to to uh, to think with, right? Oh, I'm not arguing that. Like, I don't think she's the like, best. I like, think she's successful. The, the trap with objectivism is that people get stuck on. For some reason, there's something like objectivism should could just be a philosophy in and of itself that I think ha- has its limitations, but it could just be a philosophy. But it, you never get past her. As I said, inside every objectivist, there's the ghost of her, and I see it because they are zealous. It's literally. At, at an atheistic religion and she is the the deity and it's crazy you criticize her and you you're going to find yourself in a fucking uh, nuts. Uh, you're going to yeah. find yourself in a 60 minute conversation and you'll be like where did the time go why did i have to just be they're not awful people they're I, not I, I, they're not sj dubs that, that's not, that's your influence too on her followers of like I'm going to just write 1,200 pages whether I need to or not. I'm going to talk to you for 60-minute conversation whether I need to or not. I'm going to just hammer you to give up and admit that I'm right, um, which I it, it's, I, I guess, a decent way to go through life, but it's, just, it's a ridiculous amount of time to get your point across in anything. Do you want to know something? I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this in closing because I know you're anxious to get out you of here. You jerk. <laughs> but um, she – one of the she, – she was very – uh, she seemed to not give that much credit to influencers on her own thinking. Like she, she was, very, she, she did say a lot. Like she would basically say Aristotle was the main influence on her. But uh, I think she was uh, reading him around age twelve too. Right? That's what she says. But I think yeah. she lied. She could be. I think she lies a lot. I think <laughs> I, I get the impression that it's possible. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. And uh, an objectivist would say you shouldn't rely on your feeling, but feeling I think is part of cognition. So whatever. Because, <laughs> um, um, but um, she was also she. There was a few other people who influenced her more than I think she admits. But certainly she did. She did cite certain classical liberals, and uh, she also said that Saint Thomas Aquinas was an influence on her thinking. Uh, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times. St. Thomas Aquinas yeah. is a uh, a doctor of the church, I think considered potentially, arguably the greatest doctor of the church and very great thinker. And she admired him for his emphasis on rationality. She didn't like the Christianity for aforementioned reasons, but she did admire him for, for placing reason as this um, – as, as the uh, ultimate epistemological tool. And yeah, sorry to. I'm just. <laughs> you know, I. You know, it's a great word. You know, I'd be brilliant. <laughs> um, He's very funny too, yeah. by the way, folks. <laughs> um, but um, so go to Saint Thomas Aquinas. Like honestly, go go literally to the fountainhead. Go to the source of her knowledge. Bypass her. There is a lot of wisdom in St. Thomas Aquinas, a great amount of wisdom, right? She, an avowed atheist who saw Christianity as a, as a religion of slaves, looked to St. Thomas Aquinas as a source of knowledge and wisdom. So look to him. Why don't you? You know, maybe you'll find some inspiration from him, you know? And um, she also died a day before his feast day. She died a day the day well. before his feast day. She died on March 6th, a di- day before his feast day. And she, her birthday on February 2nd was the day after 
William Hickman's birthday. Her life is bookended by, by you know, a set heaven and hell. Well, hell, that's the way to go. Oh, goddamn. Holy. Yeah, that's a, oh, man. Angela, a... are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> how, how could I get a word in edgewise here, man? Oh, I, man. Yeah, it is, uh, it is something else. Jack is drawing when, some great comparisons and parallels. Sometimes the boy throws a fucking no-hitter. You yeah, just gotta you let just him got, do it. You just don't bring it up and you stay in the dugout and shake his hand when he comes in. That's the end oh, of it. My God. Holy hell, man. Um, well, God damn it, Jack. You know I love you. Uh, Inch, anything you want to go out on? Nah, man. Social media, Mr. Fifth Round, MR, the number five, T-H-R-U-N-D. Uh, open Where are you going to be next week? I'm going to be with you down in Tom's River. God damn. Uh, Where are you guys going to be in Tom's River? Uh, so the place is called uh, Shut Up and Eat. <laughs> okay. And uh, Fat Dragon. I, th- uh, I, I'm probably getting that wrong. Doesn't matter. But uh, that show's already sold out, so it doesn't even matter. But uh, we're going to be doing a couple of things. I'm going to bring on my handsome friend, Jack. I'm going to bring on Angelo. I'm in a show. What? I didn't know about this. We're going to do some stuff, man. Oh, nice. We're going to do all right. Oh, I'm back in the game. (laughs) Comedy's no longer fool's errand. You know? Nice. I'm glad that I'm back in the game. My favorite part of comedy is that uh, I get to meet very interesting people. And uh, two of the most interesting were guests tonight on the show. So we're doing all right, guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Keep up the great work on the show. Well, uh, Coons, you want to say anything on your way out? Uh, none, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. You know how it goes. Freaking uh, love this show. <laughs> I fucking love this show. Tonight was chaos. Oh, yeah. So. But in the best, it, like, it's that wonderful type of chaos. It's like, it's like watching a beautiful car wreck. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, no, you know, everybody survived, but the carnage is just gorgeous. He ain't wrong. Am I? Uh, am, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm wrong on that. No, <laughs> but it was. Su- but it was super fun, uh, especially because I think we all walked away being like, "Fuck this bitch." <laughs> yeah. A Sunquist family. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we had like. She's troubling. There's legitimate criticisms of her that are not SJ Dub, <laughs> right? There are legitimate criticisms of her. Like, it's just like it's the default position. It's like if you know, like is uh it seems she's very polarizing right like at the risk of sounding trite she's extremely polarizing people well, tend if, to love if her you're or hate a right winger if you're a right winger you still have some beef with her if you're a left winger you got plenty of beef with her but the right very people who are conservative tend to like her a lot because of the laissez-faire capitalism stuff they feel they owe her uh a lot for that because she lays out a lot of good philosophical groundwork for why there should be an uh you know wh- why laissez-faire capitalism is the only economic system that is compatible with human rights as she sees it well okay so she's very fascinating that way but at the same time it took her 30 years to get cool with the right wing yeah i mean i'm not sure exactly how long but yeah i see um uh, yeah yeah well she was uh She's a hot mess. That's all I'm going to say. She's not that hot. Ah, uh, okay. Fine. I've, Jack says she's not hot. I'm not that hot. All right? oh, you think she's that hot? I just, we just went through the lack of estrogen. Look, like, this is like, you know. Hey, folks, she ain't pretty. Let's be clear. There are, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send this one home, buddy. All right? I goddamn love you, Cahoons. Thank you very much. 
That was Problem. Dan Rind, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.